Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Command Space. My name is Mike Hurley and I am joined today by Mr. Gedeon Mayhew of the Icon Factory. Hi, Ged. Hey, thanks for having me, Mike. No, thank you for stepping in. Because well, uh, we had a, we had to have a change in our schedule for this week. Um, I spoke I said it was going to have Neil Patel on, but he's going to be joining us at some point in the near future. But um, I'm very pleased to have you on, Ged, because of uh, Twitterific Five. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. Cool. Because now now is the right time to talk to you. I, I feel. But um, before we get into talk about Twitterific, which will probably be um, the the meat of the show, I want to talk about a bit about the company behind it, so the Icon Factory. Mm-hmm. So um, the Icon Factory has been around for 10 years? No, close to 15 now. 15, wow. Yep. So Where the time goes, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell, tell us all a little bit about the Icon Factory, sort of wh- where it came from and kind of what it is now. Well, it started out as a... We there are three founding members: myself, Talos Choi, and Corey Marion. And Talos and I got hired out of college. We graduated from uh, the Rochester Institute of Technology in uh, 1996, and we came down to Greensboro um, to the company that Corey was already at, and it was a multimedia company. And we got hired doing educational CD-ROMs for kids. And part of our job in making those CD-ROMs was to design the icons that would go on the CDs and in the UIs. <laughs> it's like a totally Back, different world, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back when icons were 32 by 32 pixels and only 256 colors and, you know, the whole thing. And we, we found that we really liked that part of our job a whole lot. And we started doing it more and more. And we started designing icons on the side uh, for ourselves as a hobby and then also for corporate clients, too. And about a year and a half after we got hired there, um, the company got bought by MCI. I don't know if you remember them or not. I remember the name MCI. Yeah, they used to be a big telephone company in the United States. And that was right when the Internet was heating up and MCI decided they wanted to be an internet company. So they're going around buying all kinds of digital art and multimedia and programming companies, and ours was one of them. We got scooped up by them. But then a a year after that, they decided they didn't want to do it anymore. They they didn't think that building websites and stuff was profitable, so they let us all go. And after that, Corey and Talos and I decided to do icons full-time. We... um, we got a little office here in Greensboro. It was 600 square feet, and we picked up some important clients. One of them was Apple. We did the original OS 8 icons for Keychain for Apple. Right. And then we did uh, Outlook icons for Microsoft, and from there it started to go crazy. We just picked up client after client, and... We couldn't keep up with it all. We started growing. We hired more people, and we expanded the partner. There were five of us in total at the end of it, Dave Bruschella and Craig Hockenberry, too. Craig brought the programming skills to the mix, and we started designing software. Um, Some of our first ones were Icon Dropper that lets you change your icons on the Mac desktop, Icon Builder that lets you build them in Photoshop, Um, iControl, which was the precursor to Candy Bar that lets you change system icons, and a whole lot of others. Candy bar. The, do you do you guys still make candy bar? We don't. Um, well, we we partnered with Panic to make candy bar, and they had control of it for a long time. It was a, a split between the two of us for a long time. But with the advent of all of the stuff in Mac OS X uh, for sandboxing and stuff, it's become clear that Apple just doesn't want anyone customizing the system level controls of Mac OS X. And so earlier this year, Panic decided to stop developing Candy Bar. We took it back from them, um, and we may revisit it in the future, but for right now, it's the development on Candy Bar has stopped. Right. It just so. doesn't seem like it's something Apple going to continue to allow. Right. It can't, it can't exist in the App Store anyway because right. it touches resources that the App Store won't allow. So it can never be sold on the App Store. 
And with each successive OS X launch, it gets more and more broken. You know, Retina stuff keeps getting added, sandboxing increases. So it just doesn't seem to have a future, unfortunately. Sometimes I guess it's worth just bowing down to the man, right? And if, <laughs> yeah. If they're going to keep making it increasingly more difficult, you're you're not going to win, are you? In the end, right? They, so the, you're know, not going to be like not to to pursue that, save yeah. our energies for other things. I can't imagine Apple going to be like, oh, oh, we're breaking Candy Bar. Oh, sorry guys, let's <laughs> right. let's reverse right. sandboxing. You know, it's it's not going to happen, is it? Right, <laughs> which is a shame, but the, the, that's how these things go. So, uh, Icon Factory now. Um, what, what is your main focus? Is it the apps? Is it the the icon business? Like, how is the business made up? Like, what is the focus of the company? It's pretty much split down the middle. It's fifty fifty. You know, half of our business is client work that we still do, designing icons and UI for clients, and then the other half is the software side. I like to say that the client side pays the bills. It's the part that keeps us going, pays our salaries, lets us continue doing what we're doing. It's the meat and potatoes of the business. And the software side is the fun side. It's the side that we enjoy doing the most. It's the part where we get to be creative and explore and have fun, pretty much. Which is awesome. Which, you know, it's stuff that we all enjoy anyway. So, right. um, as I said, we're going to talk about, about Twitterific um, in a moment, and that's going to sort of be the probably the rest of the show, talking about a um, little bit about the history of the, of the app and, and version 5, which, re- which came out um, last week, late last week. But before we do that, I just want to say thank you to our sponsor for this week, which is Squarespace.com. Squarespace gives you absolutely everything you need to make an amazing website. So let me tell you about, about Squarespace. So they, they provide you with a totally complete managed solution so they give you um, a beautiful environment for creating and maintaining a beautiful website blog portfolio whatever your home online is to be squarespace provides you with the tools everything you need to create it it doesn't matter how experienced you are when it comes to building websites or, or anything online you can build something amazing in minutes without having to worry about scaling hosting or integration with social services like twitter and facebook even design they have absolutely stunning templates. They're, they're really, really beautiful. They're very clean, and they let your content do all of the talking. And you can customize them very easily. If you want to change the fonts, you can. They have the Google Font Library built right in, so you can choose from some fast, from, sorry, some from some fantastic free fonts. It's a bit of a tongue twister. I've let myself into there, um, and you can change all colors and backgrounds and everything like that. You want to change the way that your links look, you can just click them and select a new color. It's very, very simple. Um, the structure is absolutely fantastic. They have very clean code, and it's all perfectly rendered for SEO and everything like that. And all of the designs, all of the templates, are they all feature responsive web design too. So no matter what device you're looking at um, your site from, or anybody's looking at your site from, it structures, the structure is all beautiful, and it's perfectly rendered to make sure that it looks fantastic on any device if you like stats then you'll love their real-time analytics that are built right into squarespace there's even ios and android apps that let you see these on the go and you can also post to your site too squarespace delivers 24 7 award-winning customer support that can help guide you through any issues that you might have and they also have things like um, online workshops as well so they can walk you through step by step everything you need to know to build your brilliant site with them I want you to go and try Squarespace out. There's no credit card required to do this. Just go to squarespace.com forward slash 70 decibels and you can start your free trial there. If you decide to purchase a plan with Squarespace, it starts at only $10 a month for their standard plan and $20 a month for the unlimited plan. If you sign up up front for a year, you'll get 20% off. And if you sign up up front for two years, you'll get 25% off that price. Also, if you decide to purchase, I can give you an additional 10% off, so... That's on top of either the discounts if you buy up front or 10% off your first month. If you use the offer code 70 decibels 12 at checkout, you'll get that discount. But also it helps show Squarespace that you found out about them through us and it helps support the show. So go check out Squarespace now. Everything you need to know and everything you need to make an amazing website. So there we go. Thank you to Squarespace for their support. So Twitterific, yeah, that, it's been around for... Like since the very early days, it was the first Twitter app, right? That's correct. It was the first Twitter app on the Mac desktop, and it was the first Twitter app in the App Store. It's, I mean, I remember it from the Mac days. I've been on Twitter myself since 2007. 
So right. it was kind of the o- it was the only thing, and I'm, I <laughs> it was just this very tiny little. It was very bare bones. It was very small um, right. application. Yeah, it was tiny. Um, there's got to be um, there's got to be images somewhere on the internet of it. I'll, I'll see if I can dig some up for the show notes. Um, but how important is Twitter to you personally? I love Twitter. It, it's since I started using it, I used it probably started using it around the same time that you did in 2007. Um, I have always enjoyed it. I mean, I've it's been fascinating to watch the service grow and evolve over the years to being something that was just kind of fun and kooky, you know, at the beginning to now an indispensable tool. You know, I use it in so many different ways. If I have a question, like a technical question for a piece of software or even just a general factoid question, I know that if I tweet it, I will get a reply and probably a correct answer to that query within a few minutes. Um, which is awesome, you know, because there are people that I follow that use the same kind of software as me and they have the same kind of interests as me. Mm-hmm. And so I know they're going to know the answers to those things. Um, I also find out my breaking news from Twitter. Yeah. Like all of the most major events in the last three, four years, I heard first on Twitter. I heard Steve Jobs died on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it, it's just, it's crazy how that's has happened. I don't get it from TV or even the web anymore. It, someone in my timeline always posts first about someone who's died or an earthquake that's happened or a natural disaster or whatever, you know, historic event. It's always that way with Twitter. So it's pretty important to me personally. Yeah. I think to my my own, um, I think it's to a detriment to a fault. Um, I've I use Twitter a lot for conversation with my closest friends. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, my closest friends are scattered all over the world. Mm-hmm. So Twitter is a great sort of water cooler place for us. We can talk all day, which right. makes the service extremely important to me. Right. And and as you know, as time goes on, um, that becomes more of a risk. I mean, without getting yourself into any trouble, is that? Do you think that there's a future in in with Twitter in the way that we currently use it and what we use it for? I don't know. I really wish I knew the answer to that question. It seems like Twitter is moving away from those kinds of uses. Mm-hmm. You know, they're tailoring themselves more towards corporate needs and advertising needs than the users themselves, which is sad. You know, I mean, obviously, it's built for users. It's built for us to communicate. But it's not so much for friends to stay in touch any- anymore as it is for you to follow that big celebrity that you love so much or you know you want to find out the latest thing that's happening on tv this week those kinds of things and that's kind of depressing to me yeah it's, it is a great shame i mean i remember um and I, you know correct me if i'm wrong i think that before the recent api changes you were kind of fearing that they were going to cut you off altogether right right yeah we were really we really didn't know and that part was scary because they said that changes were coming, but they wouldn't say what they were. And for a period of months, we really didn't know what that was going to entail. And that was right in the middle of developing Twitterific 5. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah, of course. And we had to make a decision whether we keep going or do we stop until we, until Twitter clarifies their position. You know, And ultimately, it came down to, well, we need to keep going until we know we can't. Yeah. And that turned out to be a good decision in the end. Yeah, because it's a waste of it would have been a waste of money up to that point, right? Right, right. So you kind of uh, it, there's no point going on uncertainty. You have to wait and see. I guess was I'm sure was your thinking. What about app.net? Um, do you? I don't. I don't know if I see you there very much. Do you use the service at all? I don't at the t- at the current time. I, I signed up for it and then I backed the project when it first came around, and I and I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really hard for me to split my attention between two services. And because my focus has been solely on Twitterific 5 for the last eight months, you know, that's where I've devoted my energy. I've, I've still stayed on Twitter. I go over on app.net and check it out every now and then. But to be honest, I just don't have the time or energy to post things both at Twitter and over there. And, you know, I wish... I wish there was better integration between the services, but Twitter says that's not ever going to happen. Yeah. 
So that's very, very unlikely. People have to choose sides, I guess. And uh, that's, that too is unfortunate. If, uh, if Twitter goes the way of the dodo bird, will we see Apparific one day? I think so. Yeah. I would like to. Um, again, it's all a question of resources and where they're directed. Yeah. You know, if, if they weren't directed at Twitter, they'd be directed someplace else. And app.net would be probably the first choice. There's something like, um, I can't remember, I think it's called the Developer Incentive Program. Does that excite you at all? This is where um, the the uh, app.net folks give part of their proceeds to the most popular developers. Yeah, it does. It's a very clever and, and seems like a unique way to compensate developers for backing the platform. The whole concept of app.net was, I think, very well conceived. Mm-hmm in the fact that it's not paid for by sponsors, it's paid for by users. And assuming that never changes, then app.net will probably remain pretty cool far into the future. Yeah. But you can never tell because things change hands and new people come into into the fray. It's just like on Twitter, you know, when Biz and Ev were running the business things were completely different than they are now. Yeah, we have no idea, right? We, we quite literally have no idea. I mean, I had a, a, a sh- an episode of this show where, where I spoke to Dalton, Cald- Dalton Caldwell um, mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, and it was, a, it was a very enlightened discussion for me because I, I kind of got to see that we're all thinking of this like Twitter, right? That's how we think of it, but it's not necessarily the way that they're looking at it, and they're trying to just create a back-end platform for a bunch of things, but... I think it's just right now we, I think us guys, we you know, and gals in in this corner of the internet, we just want we want our Twitter to be taken care of, whether that means it's on app.net or still with Twitter, and so that's why I think we're focusing in that way. Right. I mean, it's natural. You met, you mentioned that you like to keep up with your friends all around the world. That's one of the things that I liked the most when Twitter first came around. It reminded me a lot of when I was in college. This was back before the internet. <laughs> I used to just, you know, one of my favorite things to do at college was just to sit in the lounge in my dorm and, like, watch TV or read. And not because of the thing I was doing. It was the place where everyone eventually gravitated to. Where You know, your friends eventually came and sat there and chatted with you or, you know, whatever, played games or watched TV or just, you know, conversed for some length of time and then they would go away you would go away and but eventually you would come back there and you know have a chance to meet again and when twitter first came around i've that's what it felt like to me it felt like all of me and my all of my friends were in the same lounge in in college just hanging out yeah i could reach out to them with a few strokes of the keyboard and they would reply to me and it was like we were in the same room yeah, now that that's spread out across the entire globe, right? And that's what makes right, it so and which is awesome. Yeah, it is very awesome. <laughs> it's cool. So let's talk about version five. Um, I think before before like we, I sort of go into to asking you a bunch of stuff about it. I believe that I will, went on record for this, um, sort of in the time leading up to version five, is that I was very excited about it. And I didn't have any information. I didn't know anything from you or from anybody else, but I. You know, I've I've used Twitterific in the past. I've used it for many years. Um, I felt that sort of version four was it was different in a way that it wasn't working for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been using Tweetbot since the day it came out, um, mm-hmm. and have said, you know, Tweetbot's one of my favorite apps ever created for for iOS. But there was a part of me that really wanted to see you guys just absolutely knock it out of the park, and I was very excited for it. And personally, I feel that. Well, I've been using the app solidly for a week and I've not used anything else because I feel that where I've, as you guys have said, there are things that you still need to do to, mm-hmm. to make it perfect. I, for me personally, I love the app enough that I'm willing to overlook some things that I think might be missing. And we'll talk about those in a bit mm-hmm. because I think that the experience is unlike anything else. And I have to congratulate you guys on an incredible job. Thanks. Because and and I guess let's let's talk about some of this stuff. So, what has been the what's been the overwhelming reactions, um, good and bad, to Twitterific Five? 
I'd say that overall, I mean, without a doubt, it's like our most successful launch of of a Twitterific version since the initial release. You know, it's definitely heads and tails above all the others as far as being received by the our user base and by the public. People seem to really understand and get what we tried to do with version 5, which is basically <clears throat> distill down Twitter to making it easy to read and digest what's going on in your timeline mm-hmm. and easy to reply. You know, make the reading experience as good as it can be, yeah. as seamless and as frictionless as it can be. That was like the biggest thing for us is to make it like something where you can just pick up your phone, check your timeline, reply to a couple tweets, and put it down if you want to. And it's not this huge chore, mm-hmm. you know, to do that. And certainly there are Twitter clients out there that feel like they're a chore to use. And to some degree, four was too, when you look at it compared to five, at least for sure. Yeah. Um, So from a visual point of view and from an interaction point of view, I think that's the definitely the positive part of what we've done and launched with five. Everyone seems to get that. Why I've gotten praise on the UI, you know, people really, find it refreshing. It's completely different. It looks different from anything else in the store. Um, all of that is wonderful. The downsides, you know, the negative stuff are, why doesn't it have this? Why doesn't it have yeah. push? Why doesn't it have streaming? You know, I won't pay for it until it does. You know, those kinds of, you know, one star, no push. You know, yeah. let's ignore everything else that it does great. But because it doesn't have that one thing that I want, you know, it's useless to me. Um, so, but there's a balance between, you know, what we want as developers and what we're trying to make Twitterific into and what everyone else thinks they need. Mm-hmm. Um, you get into a feature war yeah. and it's really easy to get it out of hand. And we're not here to do that, really, honestly. We're not here to match Tweetbot feature for feature. Mm-hmm. I think Tweetbot has way more features than it ever would need. Mm-hmm. Um, especially just for browsing your timeline. We're not trying to be the place where you go to manage your Twitter account. Yeah. You know, we're trying to be the place where you read your timeline, you, you reply to your friends. So I guess that's the good and bad of it. So I, this isn't the first time you've done this. It was either version 3 or version 4, where um, you have not... Version 5 is not an update to the previous app. It's a brand new app. Right. Was it version four or three that you that you did that with previously? It was three. Three. Um, I think that's right. What was the? Yeah, I'll start with this. What was the reaction? What's been the overwhelming reaction of people? I mean, I know that there is a a, a real core of people that that I mean, I interact with that don't have a problem with this and feel that the way right. that I feel. You guys, this is the fifth version of the application. Um, you don't do this for free. Um, and if you guys want to feel you want to charge for it, that's your prerogative. You, you can choose to do that. People can still download four f- from if they bought it before. Right. Um, they can still get that, but it's not supported and it won't have new features going into the future. That's right. how I feel, and, and I feel that there are people that feel that way. But what has been the overwhelming reaction to, to having to pay again? This time, I think it's been surprisingly positive. I I haven't seen that many people, actually, who have complained that they have to buy it again. There will always be a vocal minority that do, you know, who somehow think that if it's in the App Store, it should have free updates for life. You know, once it's in the store, it's theirs forever. They mm-hmm. need to buy it the one time, and that's it. Um. And I don't know where that comes from, other than the fact that Apple doesn't provide a way to do paid upgrades. You know, that's the major hurdle here. If Apple provided a way for developers to charge a, an upgrade fee between versions, we wouldn't be talking about this. Yeah. But because they don't, the only way to do this is either with an in-app purchase or to, re- to release a new app. And we chose to do that for a number of reasons. But, you know, one, we want to get rid of the in-app purchase model. Yeah, that and, wouldn't have worked. And, would it? I can't imagine that would have worked for what you guys did this time around. No, and plus it... it the free model, the freemium model that was used with four, eats up Twitter tokens, and we only have so many. Yeah, that's changed the landscape completely, hasn't it? Right. 
Yeah, so you guys... we can't afford to give away the app anymore and, and yeah. have users use up a token if they're not going to pay for it. Although retrospectively, now, probably great that you did do that because you have more tokens. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> that worked in our favor. And, and yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, you're right. We have a huge pool of tokens because of that. Um, so and, yeah, for anybody that, that doesn't know, so every every user takes up a token, and the reason that that was good for for you guys was that you got because I assume it was over one hundred thousand, um, you got the ability to have that doubled. Whatever your existing base was when Twitter instated this new rule of a maximum of one hundred thousand tokens, or it's twice, isn't it? Twice the amount that you currently have. Right at the time that the ABI yeah. was announced. So I'm sure that you guys have, like, the, I know the guys at Tapbots did because they posted about it. You've got a good good base to continue forward that you're happy with. You've got a lot of people that can still buy the app. Yeah, I dare say our token pool is larger than Tapbots. I would say that it's got to be just because of how long you've been around. It just would seem right. sensible. Because my concern, I, I was very concerned that because you were launching a new app that it would start your tokens again because I don't really understand this stuff. But it would appear that that's not the case, which is good. Well, for, at least for iOS, for the Mac is a different matter altogether because it's a different poken, uh, token pool. Well, that doesn't so, make sense to me, but I don't like the sound of it. <laughs> right, exactly. There, there are only a fraction of the number of users on the Mac that there were on iOS, so the token pool for the Mac is much smaller. It's still very large. It's still larger than 100,000, but it's not n- n- anywhere near as large as it is for iOS. Well, then, I mean, you know... Y- y- you shouldn't. You don't have to comment on this if you don't want to. But then I hope that you guys go the same way that Tapbots did with the next Mac version, pricing well, it fairly. Yeah, all, all I can say is that the next re- version of the Mac will probably not be free. Uh, <laughs> no, probably there, not. There won't be a, a free version of it, just you know, like there is now. I mean, many people don't even know that there's a free version for the Mac right now. You can get it through the Icon Factory. Mm-hmm. You can't get it through the App Store. No. You know. Um, but that even that will probably go away with the next version. We just, you know, again, there's too few tokens to be giving away the Mac client. I, mean, I feel like you've clearly explained why um, why you guys looked at doing this as a paid, you know, a, a paid app now. But did you think that there would be an outcry maybe larger than what you've had? Oh yeah, because you the, had it quite bad last time. Um, if I remember we did. rightly, we did, and we learned from that. But there were a couple of reasons for that, and, and I, looking back on it, and I understand them. You know, the the main reason the outcry last time was you couldn't continue to use three. You know, three. Twitter changed the OAuth functionality so that if you decided to not upgrade within a month or so, you would not be able to use the previous version of Twitterific. Right, and, and that's very that, different. That's different because obviously a lot of people get upset. They're like, you're basically forcing us to upgrade. And in effect, yes, we were, but that wasn't because of us. That was because of Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, but we people, decided to put all of our efforts in this new version yeah. that had the new author, you know, authorization stuff and move forward with that. This time around, <clears throat> we're going to be we're going to what we're going to do is four four will stop working when the March deadline for API 1.1 comes up, mm-hmm. but Craig is about to submit an update to the App Store for 4 that will allow it to keep functioning well into the future. How does that... So even though the app's not in the store anymore, you can still update it? Right. Oh, so that's interesting. Theoretically, if you have 4 on your device or in iTunes, it'll tell you there's an update for 4, even though it's not available for sale. I have to take my hat off to that. It's a, it's a nice thing to do because you don't have to do it. Like you know, I don't think anybody would say that you had to do that, right? Um, but it's, I think it's great that you are. And that's you know, we didn't try to make it upsetting to people yeah. last time around. It just that's the way the chip fell. But they don't believe us when they when we say that. I think a lot of people think you are Twitter. Yeah, that's another problem. That's right. really another problem. They really they see Ollie and they think we're Twitter and you know, when they can't get access to their tweets, they ask us instead of Twitter. Yeah. You know, let's, why let's isn't take, this working? Let's veer off this you you've you've sort of taken me on a tangent here now. So I wanna sort of understand from you if you think that that's maybe more of a problem. And you have Twitter in the name as well, right? So yes. do you think that you have more of a problem with the brand association than other apps do? Yes. Because of Ollie, right? Ollie is a Ollie's the, the Twitter bird that you created. It's, he's your mascot, right. um, which then Twitter later used. You know, they they 
um, took the idea of a bird, which they hadn't had before. It was just the word. Right. Um, and then your bird, I mean, you, you guys make fun of it all the time, but Ollie shows up everywhere. Yes. I get at least five to ten emails a week from people saying, hey, look at where Ollie is. And they send me a link to some newspaper article that shows Ollie on a, a, an article about Twitter. Or they show some restaurant you know, website that's got their Twitter handle and right next to it is Ollie. You know, it, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And he is just used everywhere. You know, and the reason why that is the case is, one, because we were there before Twitter. But also, too, I think because... Ollie is more friendly and more easily recognizable as Twitter than Twitter's own identity. Yeah, because they keep changing it as well, and Ollie has been a constant. Right. Um, I, obviously, Ollie is your property, um, and it's an IP owned by you guys, right? Mm-hmm. Do you do anything when you see, like, you know, a, a news site or something using the using using Ollie's face and, and such? It depends on the. The instance of it, like I got sent a picture from the Texas Rangers ballpark last summer. They had been doing this thing all summer long where they would put up tweets from users in the stands. You know, if you were at the game, you could tweet something and put a hashtag on it. And then they might put your tweet up on the big screen at the baseball game. Mm -hmm. And alongside the tweet, they had a picture of Ollie with a Texas Rangers baseball cap on. And... That was one where we we basically wrote them and said, "Hey, this is not we're not Twitter. This is property of the Icon Factory. Can you remove it?" You know, and they didn't believe us. Blah blah blah. And of course, then we have to get the lawyer to write them, oh, man. and then they change it. Well, I know? mean, they can just use the bird. Well, you can't use the bird anymore, can you? Can't they couldn't put a hat on the bird because you're not allowed to modify the bird anymore? Right, right. <laughs> and that happens a lot, but we only go. We only mention it to companies or places that are like really really flagrant with it um little i see it all the time on personal websites Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you know news blogs and stuff like that and i'm just like yeah whatever yeah yeah there's some you can let go but if it's being used for a you know in a commercial situation i guess it's really different so let's talk about let's talk about the design of of, of version five massively different hugely different um why did you take such a different route um, a lot of this falls with David Lanham, who was the lead designer on the project. He, you know, when he set out to design version five, he looked towards a few other applications as inspiration. One of them was iBooks, uh, and another one was Instapaper, that distill the the experience of reading down into this clear and focused thing. Um. Both of them let you control like font sizes and line spacing and you know theme control, light and dark for if you're outside or inside and at night and, and so on. And he used that as a springboard to jump off to design the rest of the UI. Mm-hmm. And he actually did that in a vacuum. He did that all on his own before we even decided to do version five. <laughs> so that when it came time to decide it was a much easier decision <laughs> because David said, okay, now it's time to decide. Here's what I've done. And he showed it to all of us. And we were all just blown away. Of course. The line spacing was the, the setting that I was the most surprised to see. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that anywhere else in a Twitter app. Like, right. And it's a nice thing that it's there because, you know, as you say, this is for reading. This really is for the consumption. Um, we We always... You, you may have seen, I always ask some of our listeners to submit questions. And Stephen Hackett, who is a host on this network, he wanted to know, um, you know, what was some of the thinking that went behind the sparse interface? And, I mean, a lot of people are calling it flat. I mean, and this is a new sort of um, app design, this flat design, and, and Microsoft are using it quite heavily. Right. Um, did you take any sort of, ins- were any inspirations taken from, from that new as- aesthetic? Um, not initially. I think that David, like I said, he pretty much designed it in a vacuum. He, I mean, I'm sure he was aware of Metro and, you know, those inspirations. But it's, it's Metro-esque, but it's not Metro. There are gradients in, the, in some of the buttons. There are rounded corners on everything. 
there, you know, it has elements of iOS and Metro and WebOS in it. So it's kind of like a hybrid user interface in that respect. Um, and it is very flat, and that was for a bunch of reasons, but again, it's to eliminate noise, but also it has a byproduct of making the app extremely fast. Oh, it's ridiculous. You know? Yeah, things just happen. <laughs> right. There's no gradients to draw in the right. timeline. So scrolling is like buttery. How do you have it set up? Um, I have it with Muzio Sans. Right. Interesting, um, interesting font choice. That one. Yeah, I didn't think I would like it at first at all. When we first put that font into the app, I was just like, I'll, I'll never use it. <laughs> and then I set it to it one day and I started using it and I, now I can't use it in any other font. It's just, it's weird. It's very readable mm-hmm. and it's the, the size up from the default size is where I have it set. Right. Um, and I think one larger size on the avatar side too, bumped that up. And um, that's how I use it and I love it. It's just, it's wonderful. I, uh, I use Proxima Nova, which is one of my favorite web fonts. Mm. And uh, I have the text very small. I'm using an iPhone 5, um, mm-hmm. and for some reason, when I got the iPhone 5 um, with, with a bunch of apps, made the text smaller. I don't know why, but it just looked more comfortable. <laughs> very very peculiar. But I, I used a dark theme as well. I'm a fan of dark, dark theme apps. I don't really like um, light. It's too bright for me. Yeah, the only time I switch to light is if I'm out in direct sunlight, right. and then I switch it to the light mode, which is just really handy. Have you tried the Pixel Lover th- font yet? Yeah, I have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I may I, I may have tweeted um, o- OMG Pixels or something like yeah. that yesterday. Yeah. So this is the the new Easter egg, isn't it? Yeah. So you, you tweet Pixel and then you get a very interesting <laughs> font choice. Yeah, old old school, very old school indeed. Um, did you were there any decisions that you made um, in the design um, to satisfy or to preempt any guidelines from Twitter? Oh yeah, we had to. Actually, the design of the timeline is different in the final version of 5 than it was than David designed it. And that was because of the guidelines that Twitter introduced during development. Different in what way? An example would be you have to have both the full name and the username of the user all the time. Oh, yes. I just noticed that. I mean, I I just saw it as a choice to make things simple but yes it's there right in four that was a toggle in the settings you could either show yeah. it you could either show usernames or full names but not both and in five you have to have both which has the byproduct of making the tweet cell taller right. um because that you have to have two lines now to show the user instead of just one um it's not necessarily a bad thing i mean it adds clarity if you want to see a user's name username you can just look and see it you know there are a whole bunch of other things too like the location of the timestamp is is set the fact that controls have to be within a single tap or right there on the on the time on the tweet cell itself and they have to be in a certain order you know reply retweet favorite more wow so yeah you, all, you really did think about it <laughs> Yeah, those are all based on guideline stuff. Not every app is observing all of these at the moment. Tomorrow. No, and that's and when March comes around, you know, and, and Twitter decides to enforce that kind of stuff, it's going to be interesting to see what actually happens, or if they, what to how strictly they will enforce it. You know, I mean, I guess the benefit that you guys had is in redesigning. You just set it as your standard, because right. if you. You know, let's, let's say Tweetbot, for example, they're going to have to make some serious changes to the way the app currently looks if they want to to follow these rules to, to the letter. Now, as a user, that's quite jarring to have an app that you're used to change. Right. It's, right. So in, in being able to do it this way, it's good. I mean, the reason that I asked that question is the, um, the Tweet Compose button is the same one that's in the Twitter app, and I wondered if that was a standard button. No, it's just our decision to make it. I like it. I think it's a nice. I think it's actually it sums it up quite well. It looks like a quill. Obviously, it's a feather, and it's nice. I just I noticed that this morning, and then added it to my questions because I just wondered if that was. I mean, I I am not well versed in the API design rules more than what was reported. So there might have been something funny in there. There's so many; it's hard to keep track of them all. Actually, what about cards? How does that? Does, is that something that you feel you have to implement one day? Hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully I think they're not. 
their distraction. We'll see. They may become mandatory eventually. Which would be a shame. As long, you know, along with promoted tweets may become mandatory. That one I have stronger feelings about. It probably will. Like, by this time next year, I'm willing to bet you yeah, that Twitter will say you have to display promoted tweets in the timeline. Yeah, I think that's pretty obvious. It seems pretty obvious. And and then, I think, I think it will be when that happens um, will be the real point where people start to think about how they want to carry on with using the service in, in my opinion well, I've right. still got I've kept you for, for long I hope you've still got time so I've still got a bunch more <laughs> I wanted to ask you so let, let's, mo- let's move along so um, let's talk about some of the features now, more the feature omissions um, and I kind of want to sort of gauge from you um, some of the thinking behind why they were omitted um, and, and talk a bit about it. So the first one I want to talk about is muting. Now, this is an interesting one for me because I realized when using uh, Twitterific 5 that in, in Tweetbot, I had lots of mutes, which I didn't really know that I'd accumulated. And it's making me personally think about the way that I'm using Twitter and that potentially there's some people that I shouldn't be following if I had them muted. So I want to get your opinion on that. Like, did you did you omit muting for a reason? Is it something you just don't think is necessary? Uh, no, not at all. Um, we want muting too, and we plan to add it. Right. Um, and the, one of the byproducts of redoing Twitterific Five is the fact that Four didn't have the database structure in order to mute. You know, the the, the code base for the for that kind of stuff was just old. We came from the original Twitterific, and it wasn't set up to do that. But in designing Five. Craig and Sean have set up a backend that is capable of muting. Mm-hmm. Um, the muting part isn't the muting is not the hard part. I mean, Twitterific Five can mute right now. The hard part is the user interface. Um, it's coming up with a way to interact with what you want to mute and how you you manage it. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I'm not convinced that the way that Tweetbot does it is the best way that it can be done. Um, Managing all of those mute filters, like the terms, the users, the services, the length of time, all of that is become it can become a headache, right. and it's complex and overly so. And so, when we have it to a point when we're happy with how muting works, that's when we'll implement it. You know, we want to make it as as easy and elegant as the rest of Twitterific Five. It's, with with all of the f- the features that I'm mentioning, like that one and the next two that I'm going to talk to you about, you've sort of summed up my thinking behind this. Like there are features it, that that are not in Twitterific Five that I've been used to, but mm-hmm. I'm happy to wait because I know that when you implement them, they'll be done right. Right. For the way that I'm currently enjoying the application. So my thinking is, I love this app so much that it's not perfect, but I'm. The the uh, the reason I know these things aren't there is because you haven't you're not comfortable that they're perfect for the app yet. So I will I will dutifully wait until they're ready. And and that's what uh, and that was the same with other apps. It was the same with Tweetbot. It didn't have all of these features initially, right. but I loved the app enough that I was willing to wait. You right. know, and for me, it's that sort of idea. And I think that's how people should look at it. You know, you guys could have done all of everything that everybody's asking for, but it wouldn't have been right to get it out when you got it out. Well, we wouldn't we wouldn't have launched this past week. That's for sure. <laughs> we, you know, it would have been well into next year. Yeah, and, if we had included these three things that I think I know you're going to ask me about. Yeah. So, so one is muting, and then the next is push and streaming. Now, they these two, my understanding is they kind of go hand in hand. Streaming and push are they seem like they're together, but they're not really. Streaming is for those who don't know, is the live updating of receiving tweets right to the client without having to do a manual refresh. Um, Pushing is when the Twitter API sends you a push notification to the device saying, hey, you've got a direct message or a mention or someone favorited you or retweeted you and so on and so on. They seem similar, but they're really not coupled together. They use completely different APIs. Um, um, They... We'll start with streaming. Let's just say streaming. Yeah. Again, it's another thing that we want to do, um, and it actually is on the list of things to do. For us, it wasn't as critical to do streaming until the Mac update is ready because really you only want streaming when you have your device in a Wi-Fi zone. You don't want to stream over your cellular network. Mm-hmm. You could 
theoretically it's getting better and better, so you could do that. But for us, it's more important on the desktop. So when we get the Mac version ready to go, that's when we're going to be focused on the streaming. Likely when the Mac update comes, that version of iOS will also have streaming. Excellent. Um, but it won't be the only way you can receive tweets because I hate streaming myself. Right. It's a distraction to me. I can't stand sitting at my desk at work and having tweets constantly come in. That's not how I use Twitter. I use Twitter, you know, when I have time. Mm-hmm. So I refresh and I look and then I read my tweets and I reply. If they were just coming in all the time, I wouldn't get any work done. See, I like it on iOS because then if I'm reading, things are just loading. And then when I get to the top, I'm at the top. But I've I've never enabled it on the Mac because, as you say, things are just happening then. Um, right. And that's in the background constantly. But on iOS, it's still modal. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I've liked streaming in that way. But but the thing is, like with, with the streaming, I would miss the incredible animation, right? <laughs> which is fantastic. The first time I saw that, I showed my girlfriend. I was like, look at what this does. And she was like, okay. <laughs> Why are you showing me this? But I, I that was a, a, a glorious touch. And, and this is the egg that turns into the bird. And, and it's right. fantastic work. That was a, That's a great little feature. The pushing stuff is different. The pushing is the reason why we didn't do it is because it is hugely, and I can't express this enough. It's difficult to do from both from a programming and a, a maintenance and a, a monetary perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, in order to do push, you have to have your own server set up. You have to write the code. You have to maintain the server. You know, if it goes down. You have to figure out why and get it back up. The costs to maintain it are huge. They're just, you know, for a little company like us, it's, it's a lot. The fact that Paul Haddad and, and Tweetbot did it so effectively is a tribute to them, actually. Mm-hmm. I know it was no small task for them, and I know that it remains a headache for them to keep it up and running. So... Do we want to do it? Yes, we do definitely want to do it. And our attitude towards it has changed over the last year, you know, to the point where if we do decide to do it, we'll probably do it ourselves. We had considered, you know, using a third-party service to do push, but we've changed our minds on that. The only problem to all of this is, will Twitter even let us? They may not. Did you have uh, to, do you have to apply to, yep. to get this? Right. You have to apply, and they've said on several occasions that they will not allow any new clients access to the push stuff for Twitter. And we're hoping that because we're not new, yeah, you're not classed as that. That we'll be grandfathered in. You know, um, we've been around long enough. It's just that we haven't actually implemented the push. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have yet to hear on that. We have, we have to find out about that before I can say one way or the other whether it's coming or not. Have you considered, like, because it is an additional cost, did you consider any sort of in-app purchasing type type thing for that? Uh, yes, but I don't think users would stand for it no. because they get it with other <laughs> yeah. clients for free. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you never know. You never know. So, um, I mean, I think that you said free features. Have I missed one? Uh, I thought you were going to say streaming and push were two separate ones. <laughs> oh, no, no. That, they're the free. I mean, have people asked for anything else? I... I can't think of things myself have you have people been saying you know we want this yeah there's a whole litany of things you know i mean one of the things we did from four to five was we removed all the other picture services um from the app except for the twitter built-in picture service um and people want to be able to re-upload you know to imagely and twitpic and yfrog and milkshake and all of those different services um we'll probably add those back slowly over time we had to again we had to ship and had to get it out and it made it vastly more simple in order to remove all of those third parties and just go with twitter for the launch Mm -hmm. so yeah i personally just use instagram and just you know push the tweets like push it to twitter that's the way that i I didn't even notice (laughs) right because i never i never really post pictures via twitter if i did it would be in such a rush that i don't really care where where it's coming from right see and that's why it's so hard to design because everyone uses this stuff differently there's no one way to do these these things 
And I, I think that the way for this application, because, you know, it is so new, kind of putting it out there and seeing what people want. I mean, um, Craig uh, Hockenberry wrote this great piece um, on his blog about, you know, saying that it, Twitterific 5 will become better as you, you know, start to work with the users. Right. And I think that that's the interesting thing, right? Because now you understand what is most important to people. And, and then, you know, once you understand the ways that different people use Twitter, it changes things. So you, know, so you, you figure, oh, yeah, we need to look at this, we need to look at this. And then you work from it that way. Right. So, um, you know, are you, are you happy with it? You mean you're happy with the direction Twitterific is going in? You're excited for its future? I am. I mean, I'm excited for our future at the moment, you know, with Twitter. And it seems like what we've done has been well received, which is very gratifying. You're you're in a vacuum for so long, mm-hmm. eight months, you know, we're just, it got to the point where I was using Twitterific 5 for so long that I didn't even see it as being anything different, you know, use it day in, day out. And it just looks like every other Twitter client. But then when you show it to new people who have never seen it before, they're all like, oh my God, this is completely different. You know, this yeah. is amazing and wow, bold interface choices. And, you know, and it's just like wakes you up because it's like, yeah, you're right. It is completely different, but I've been working on it for so long. I just forgot to see that anymore. You know, so it's gratifying. When we finally got out the first beta test, it was just like the comments came in. And it was just like, wow, can't believe you guys did it this way. Yeah. You know, why did you do this? This is really bold choice, blah, blah, blah. You know, I keep seeing people like, we want the tab bar at the bottom. Don't put it at the top. Put it at the bottom, you know. But it's at the top for a bunch of reasons. And it doesn't look like any other Twitter client when it's at the top. Exactly. It's totally... You know? When um, I... I'm sure many people did this and feel bad for doing it now. But I, um, when I saw that it was out in India, I started Googling for images. And I wish I would, I wish I would save the surprise. But I saw a couple of images, I think Cult of Mac, naturally, mm-hmm. naturally Cult of Mac posted the images. Um, you can decline to comment on my snark. Um, and I looked at it, I was like, I don't know. I, I looked at it, I was like, I'm not, I don't know. But I thought, I'm still going to get it because I thought, I, I, you know, I wanted it for a reason. As mm-hmm. soon as I downloaded it, I was blown away. And I don't know what it was about the images that didn't catch me. And I just mm-hmm. find that very interesting. And, you know, I'm sure you probably don't have a reason for my crazy thinking in that. But I think it was just a culmination of things that maybe, you know, just not having it in my hand on my phone running live with my tweets. That was probably, right. that was what it was. And I've... For some strange reason, I feel that screenshots do not do it justice, and I don't know why that is. They don't do it justice. And, like, when the day that it came out, as it started to go out around the world, I know that Louis, uh, Louis Mantia, he, my friend, and he used to work for us, he was one of our beta testers. And one of the things he said, he tweeted, he was like, don't judge it based on static screenshots. You know, you have to have the app in your hand, and you have to use it in order to get it. Yeah, like my you know? favorite thing is the really bright colors. Right. Like especially using the dark theme for me, like the bright oranges and the bright greens. I'm a big fan of bright orange and green, like just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like our logo, the 70 decibels logo features a quite a, a relatively bright orange for us. And, and it's just, a, that was a, a request that I made of Aaron Mankey who does our logo design. Um, I wanted an orange color. Like you know, he showed me a bunch of colors, and it was orange that I wanted. So to get those colors in that way just worked really well for me. Right before, and those are, those are all standard. Those are colors have been in Twitterific since the beginning. Yeah, they have. They they you have. Know? I, I, I know, like the 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 unified timeline stuff that you do, but it, I think it's just it pops, and especially because of the font choices as well. I think right really really help. And it, you know, it might have been I can't remember. Maybe maybe the fonts that were in the screenshots weren't the ones that I liked. Maybe. Right, because or they don't show off the the color or the timeline to yeah. the best that it can. You know, the font the font differences the diff- the differences in the font make for a very different application. It does, and it's amazing how that happens, you know. But I love the fact that you can tailor it to your likes and dislikes. Exactly. You know, you make it the way you want it. You can make your avatars huge if you want to. If you prefer to spy their picture before their name, you can do that. 
especially <laughs> like on the iPad. You can make their avatars mondo huge, <laughs> you know. And on the mini, that's kind of cool because you're looking at this, you know, slate of tweets, and you see these large, you know, living avatars mm-hmm. next to blocks of text, and it really is kind of cool. So I want to I want to ask a couple of quick questions um, about about other platforms before we finish. So um, the Icon Factory, I mean, we were talking a little bit before the show because I mentioned Frenzic, which is a game that you created. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I remember Frenzic from, from back in the day. I remember it um, on the Mac. Also, Frenzic, um, you created a... It has an iPhone, a native iPhone app, but you created a web app, didn't you, for it as well? Yes, way back in the day, before we did the iOS version. Back in the day when uh, that was the option, and that was the you know the, the option because why would you want anything else? Right, you don't need any native apps. It's all on the web. <laughs> and I remember it from then. And, and you, I, I also remember you launching it on Android because I bought it was one of the first games I bought on the Android phone when I when I got a G one, believe it or not, because mm-hmm. I knew it was a, 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 a an app that I wanted to try out. Um, when I picked up that G one, whenever that was, um, but you guys also created it for Windows Phone seven. So it's on Windows Phone. It's also on the Nintendo DSi as well. So is Forensic like your um, testing ground for new new um, uh, platforms? It was when it, it was at the time, and it was a good learning experience, but it's different because it's a game. You know, you can't apply how a, a particular application does on all of those platforms to something else because that's not a game to a game. Mm-hmm. You know, um, people are either more or less willing to pay for things based on that alone. Um, Forensic did pretty good on Android. It didn't do spectacular, but it did okay. Um, it makes a couple bucks a month on Android <laughs> and Windows Phone. Right. Um, it never really hit, took off on Windows Phone at all. Um, and the DS, it's hard to know. We don't track the sales on that. That's all done through Nintendo. So, <clears throat> But... I guess the question is meant to be, will there be Twitterific for Android? I, um, I, I feel like I know the answer. I did have people actually ask me that question, but yes, by all means. Will what do you be? think the answer to that I'm is? I'm going to say no. Why do you think that is, Mike? Because the the market isn't there. The the, the fee, It's a real shame, but I mean, you can see it from, from Marco has spoken about this on Build and Analyze. He thinks that potentially um, Instapaper on Android has just about broken even. Mm-hmm. So is that is that your thinking? Yes, I mean it, the amount of work and money it would take to to bring Twitterific to Android would be huge, um, and then we would have to once again deal with the token problem for Android. Oh, tokens. Yes, we're back to this, tokens again. We're, we would only have a, a, a potential of 100,000 users for Twitterific for Android. So it would have to be very expensive. Right, so and do you think Android point? users would pay for a $7, $8 a Twitter app? <laughs> Probably no. not. No. <laughs> At all. And that is the root of the problem. You know, um, First of all, I think Android users are less inclined to pay than iOS users no matter what. Yeah. Um, it's just not – the revenue model is not there compared to iOS. I think the issue that you've got – and this is – I mean I've, I've thought a lot about this. I wrote um, an article about it on my dormant blog um, a while ago because I was just thinking about it. And the market the the actual install like the the handset market is larger you know, the, the android is larger um mm-hmm. but the people that it has uh, there are a lot of people that don't really understand smartphones and it's what the carrier gives them i think that's part of it and and really a lot of the market of people that would pay they have iPhones right that's where they are that's what they have so you've right. got those people already so I, f- I think that that's it. That that's where your pro- your problem lies is that there is a massive market there, but they're used to free apps because they they've got a budget phone in the first place. Right, and you could say, well, Twitterific for Android. Maybe it's not a paid model. Maybe it's a free version with one account and it displays an ad. You know, well, that's great if the maximum number of people who can ever see that ad is a hundred thousand people. 
Yeah. Yeah, see, it could have been a very viable thing for you if millions of people would have downloaded it because I can tell you right now there is there are no good Twitter applications on Android. Doesn't, right. just, they just do not exist. They do not. Right. Um, there was one that I like called Tweet Lanes, but that's been killed because of the token limits. Aside from that, there is nothing. So, right. And you had this new one, this Twitteroo. I can't remember what it was that just came out for Windows Phone, uh, Windows tweet, 8. Tweetro? I think it was Tweetro. Tweetro, yes. And they got wildly successful as a free one, but they hit their token limit and Twitter wouldn't give them any more tokens, so they had to relaunch as Tweetro Plus. And they charged for it this time around, um, which more power to them, you know. I don't know if they've hit the token limit again or not, but basically they're, they'll be developing this application for these same 100,000 users from now until the end of time. The end of time. Which probably wouldn't be that long because you run right. out of money quite quick, I assume. Right. There's a reason that you guys charged again, right? Because it costs, it costs money to do these things. Of course, I I can't believe that people think that software just grows on trees. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a shame that that this it, basically I think developers were too generous initially with the app store, and if if people always did it this way, I mean it's a hacky way to do it to release a new app. It's you know it doesn't fit with the the model that we were I think used to. Hence why it was we started doing it this way. I think people just naturally assumed upgrade pricing will come later. So everybody just started adding more features for free, and it right, built and this culture. Never came. Yeah, it just built a culture um, that now we have to try and break. Which unfortunately is, I mean, I've seen it. You know, I see it all the time. Instacast free, which is an app that I love. They're charging again. This they this is the third version. They've charged all three versions, but people still get upset about it. But that's right. what he feels is necessary. So I feel more power to the guy. But it's it's a shame. It's it. This is this is where we're in. This is this is what we have. I mean, do you feel? Are, are there any like looking at Android? Because you guys have done some some stuff there. Do you, are there any pros, cons to to the platform? Like, are there things about Android that that you like developing for? I enjoyed the process of creating Frenzic for Android. I have to say, I didn't. It it at the time it didn't. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Right. Um, that was also at a time when there were only a handful of Android phones. Yeah. And there were only like three screen sizes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now there are not. <laughs> you know, no. there are at least a dozen different Android screen sizes that you have to take into account and test for when you, mm-hmm. de- when you develop for Android. And I, I know there are companies that. That's all they do. They specialize in Android testing. You give them your app, and they run it through their testing mill to make sure that it works on all these different variations of devices and hardware configurations and back buttons and screen sizes and you know network configurations and everything. And that's all they do. The cottage industry has come up because of this. And I can't even imagine doing that with our apps. It's, it's bad enough testing them on an iPhone 5, an iPhone 4S, an iPod, an iPad, an iPad mini, a second-gen iPad, and so on and so on. But to do it across 100 different Android phones, oh, God. The, and in, like, there's an interesting thing that I've always found about and well, that I've seen in Android development. So games are difficult, right, because they can't scale in the same way as like a Twitter app could, mm-hmm. you know, like you can't, because they, they, you can't use the built-in Android tools to do that. You have to have mm-hmm. your artwork scale. And it was really interesting when the iPhone five came out, you could tell the developers that used Android because they were able to update straight away because they had, they already had larger elements. Mm-hmm. So like one of my favorite games, Jetpack Joyride was like within a day or two of the iPhone five, it, the update was ready because they'd recently just launched on Android. So their backgrounds and stuff, they already had, they already had them. They already had larger ones. Right. So it's, it's an int- it's interesting, but you guys, I mean, so that's looking at Android. So, you know, you probably aren't going to do it there because of the token. I guess it's the same for other platforms as well now for, for Twitter. At least. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes. Okay. Every, every new platform we would go to would have the same token limitation. So it's always going to be this way now. I guess you, you're kind of st- stuck for stuck. whether you want yeah, it or until not. Twitter 
if Twitter ever decided that that wasn't what they wanted to do, then we would re-examine it. But as of right now, the only places where it's economically feasible to develop are iOS and Mac, just because of our existing token pool. There you go. I guess that's that's kind of it. So, Twitterific Five. I'm going to include in the show notes. You've got a roadmap which mentions some of the stuff that you're working on there. And um, Ged, thanks so much for joining me. It's been a it's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, congratulations on the new application. Well, thanks for having me, Mike. I I appreciate any opportunity to get to talk about our passions and our loves. So, really, thanks for having me. So, where's a where's a good, where's the best place to find you? Where's where's a good place to find Ged? Um, you can find me at um, on Twitter, obviously at Gideon G E D E O N. Um, that's my Twitter account, and my blog, my personal blog, is Gedblog G E D B L O G dot com. Um, that's my personal blog, um, and then obviously at the Icon Factory, where you know it's, my Icon stuff is there, and other artwork that I've created and on Dribble. But if you find me on Twitter, then you can get to me all the other places. Not forgetting, of course, the the fantastic sci-fi cast that you are a host of on <laughs> <Yes>. Seventy Decibels. <laughs> yep, with Dave with Dave Kalo. Yep. So That's... our good friend Dave and and Ged they do a, a show together on this network called the Sci-Fi Cast, which is weekly sci-fi news and and opinions and stuff like that. And if sci-fi is is your bag, then then this is definitely the place for you to go. So I'll include That's... that in the show notes too, so people can can find the Sci-Fi Cast. Thanks for reminding me, Mike. That's <laughs> what I'm here to do. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much, sir. And uh, next week, i um, hoping to be joined by Mr. Matthew Panzarina, um, providing uh, th- these next two weeks, like basically the next three weeks, difficult scheduling because of Christmas and stuff. So I'm hoping that we can have Mr. Panzarina on. So I'm looking forward to that very much. And, uh, Ged, thanks, thanks again for joining me. Um, you can, people can find me on Twitter and on app.net and all those places. I'm imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Come and join in the conversation. It's always always a pleasure. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to 70decibels.com forward slash contact. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of Command Space. I'm Mike Hurley. Until next time, bye-bye.